Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. It's time for Game Day, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, with your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. And good morning, and Happy New Year to everyone. Welcome to the first Game Day show of 2021. Months ago, we weren't even sure we were going to make it to this point, and it's been a successful mm-hmm. season for your Fighting Irish. And what an interesting way to start the New Year. Actually, a great way to start 2021. Your fourth-ranked playoff Fighting Irish are taking on the perennial playoff-bound Rolling Tide. I gotta get a story. Maybe Vincent knows a story. I still never heard of what Rolling Tide means, but we'll we'll start with that. Thank you for listening on 96.1 WSBT or via the WSBT Radio app or WSBTRadio.com. It's only fitting that our guest lineup is high caliber, just like the playoff game today. Joining us on today's show, Coach Mike Stock and offensive lineman Steve Sylvester reminiscing about the Indy-Alabama game of 1973. Teammates Mark Edwards, Alan Rossum, and Corey Miner to guide you through their memories of playing for the Irish in the mid-90s. Also, we'll have a segment featuring Notre Dame running backs from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000. Who are they? How about Vegas Ferguson, Alan Pinkett, Reggie Brooks, and Robert Hughes? And we'll top that all off for the semi-final playoff game with the one and only Rocket, Ragib Ismail. The motto on today's show, and I haven't said anything to Vince about this yet, so it's a surprise <laughs> to him. We're going to stay positive and only talk about how the Irish can win. We're not going to talk about how they could lose. So, But we will get everybody's uh, inf- opinion on what they think will happen today, but hopefully they'll do the half-full glass like I do too. So anyway, the pessimistic Tim brings in the – Holly, I'm sorry, I'm the optimistic. Oh, I already did it already. Hey, Vince, bail me out, buddy. Hey, good morning, Tim. Happy New Year to you. And uh, this is this is an exciting game. Look, Notre Dame is one of the top four teams in the country. There, there's no doubt about that. There was there was really no debate as to whether Notre Dame should be in the Final Four. Uh, they they got one heck of a matchup today against Alabama, number one team in the country. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully Notre Dame brings their A game, and, and this is a game. I mean, that's that's what we all want. We want a good, hard-fought game, and hopefully Notre Dame can take that next step. Absolutely, absolutely. And talking about a high-profile game, there's nothing more high-profile in uh, Notre Dame's storied history than the 1973 National Championship game between Notre Dame and Alabama. And our first guests were part of that we got Coach Mike Stock, and we've got offensive lineman Steve Sylvester. Let's bring them on. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, everybody. We're doing, thank doing you. good. So, you guys, first of all, I always ask, you guys been staying healthy through everything and uh, doing okay? Go ahead, Mike. I'm fine. Doing good. God's been good. God's been great. Happy for all the good things he's given us. Steve? Yeah, likewise, been very, very fortunate um, with uh, my immediate family and extended family. A lot of people around us have gotten sick, and, and uh, nobody seriously ill, but uh, a lot of sickness around us. But within our family, things are really good. Thank you for asking. 
Good. Glad we're glad to hear that for both of you. Absolutely. So predominantly, we're going to talk about that 1973 national championship game with the common opponent Alabama. But first, Coach Stock, could you kind of give us a history of how you ended up on Era's staff? Well, it goes way back to uh, high school and being recruited by uh, uh, State and, and Akron U. And uh, I got a, I got an April scholarship from Northwestern where Coach Barsegan was coaching. Um, otherwise, I would have been admired someplace in the Mid-American or whatever. Um, I always wanted to play Big Ten football, but I wasn't one of those uh, highly uh, sought-after people. But I was lucky to get a scholarship. Um and uh, because of his background from being from Akron, Ohio, where I went to school at St. Mary's in Akron, um, people there knew about me and, and suggested my name to him. So in a long roundabout way, I got a scholarship and went to Northwestern, played for him, uh, was a captain two years, and um, beat Notre Dame uh, a couple of times when I was there. <laughs> and uh, that got him the job. So eventually, as it all turned out, after the fact, um, uh, got to get into coaching when I got out of, uh, out of school and I went to the Army, uh, went, got into coaching and teaching, and uh, was eventually hired by Air to coach at Notre Dame. So just real quick before we uh, talk to Steve, I see you're a fullback. That's a name that's not used <laughs> at all. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it was your position, and well, you played baseball well, back, too. Back, back, yeah, back in the day you had to play both ways. Everybody, everybody who played. There's only one substitution a quarter, and that usually was for a center or a linebacker or for a quarterback and a safety. So you had to know how to play offense and defense, and you had to know how to kick or punt or whatever. The more you could do, the better off you were. So I, you only played the full house backfield for the most time, most of the part. You only, and maybe a wing key a little bit. But other than that, you hardly ever split the formation. It was just archaic football, not like it is today. You got it. So, uh, it wasn't hard to learn all the plays for all the different formations <laughs> and positions you had to play. Hey, Steve, what's us? What's tell us your story? How you uh, got your way to Notre Dame? How you were recruited? Well, very lucky. I mean, I didn't. Uh, Notre Dame was not, you know, a school that I just had to go to that kind of thing. But it just seemed to fit, and uh, I was so fortunate. Um, I went to Moeller High School here in Cincinnati. I still live here. Jerry Faust um, was my head coach, and. Um, I just was very lucky to be on good teams, and a guy named Brian Bullock just recently uh, passed away. Yes, uh, recruited me to Notre Dame, and um, you know I was an offensive lineman uh, my whole life, and uh, I was recruited as an offensive lineman. And uh, I'll never forget, Arid Coach Barsegan did offer me a full scholarship, but on one condition that I talked to uh, the fresh. I'd go to freshman admissions office and talk to them about my grades. My grades weren't the best in the world. And uh, I had to sit and, and go through about a two-hour interview um, in freshman admissions uh, to sell, I guess, to, to sell them or convince them that uh, I could graduate, that I would go to class, I'd work hard. And uh, fortunately, it, it, it worked out. It worked out fantastic. And there was no better fit for me than Notre Dame in the end. Looking back on it, there, there could have never been a better college for me. What was uh, what was your thought process when you moved to the other side of the football since you played offensive line your whole life? Um, well, again, I, I played offensive line my whole life. I never played defense. Is this Vince? Yes, yes. Maybe, yeah, Vince, I always played offensive line. And um, I, I played um, – uh, for Notre Dame, I played offensive right tackle. That was the only position I played. Uh, that's what I played in high school. When I went to the pros, I was nine years for the Oakland Raiders. 
and uh, they, they moved me around. I was center guard and tackle for them. So I've gotcha. always played the offensive line position. Gotcha. So how much grief did you take uh, from your Ohio people that you didn't stay at home with the Buckeyes? You know, I don't, I don't think we had, I mean, there were actually, there were four, there were other guys that recruited and, and signed with Notre Dame at the time that, that uh, I came out. The greater Catholic league, the GCL is a really big, strong uh, football league, uh, strong academics too here in Cincinnati. And a lot of guys have attended Notre Dame through scholarship in the football program um, through this GCL um, league. And, um, uh, so not a whole lot. It was it was a again it was a great fit and uh, Coach Barsegan, um, you couldn't have a better coach than him. Absolutely uh, no way. And uh, he was phenomenal. That's uh, Steve Sylvester. We're also with Coach Mike Stock from the Fighting Irish 1973 championship team. So, uh, Coach, how about going into that going into that season and maybe the first couple games? Um, coaches have coach speak. And they're not going to tell us, oh, this is this is the team that we're going to do it. But what was your gut feeling at that time for that team, just starting the season out? Well, it's very interesting because uh, Arrow is always a coach ahead of his time. We always talked about things after recruiting, getting into spring practice on the evolution of the game, how it was falling into place. And at that time, um, a lot of people were using uh, option football. And he wanted to go to the power attack. The power attack was wing key, which Tubby Raymond had at, at Delaware, made very, very prominent. Um, we tried it in 72, and we used some eye stuff with that wing key. And when we sent the film to him to review it, he said back, he said it was garbage. He said, you guys, until you get rid of, you get rid of the eye formation, you'll never run the wing key with a dart. So Aaron said before spring practice, we're going to run strictly wing key. And that's what we did. And it was phenomenal the way it was, uh, the way personnel we had. Of course, like Steve Sylvester uh, being a very strong offensive tackle and the guy who could run and move and, and, and very athletic and could also pound you. Um, that was what our, our main essence was. We had Bullock up the middle. We had Pennick and other people on the outside that could, that could kill you uh, with speed and, and, and power at the same time. And we had some some really good tight ends and wide receivers that could that could uh, run and hit and also catch. And we had Tom Clements. So um, this was, we were strong up the middle, and uh, that was the big thing too. So the evolution of the wing key was, uh, was, re- was reached in that season where we won the national championship as a result. That's Mike, uh, Coach Mike Stock. Uh, Steve, what do you remember of uh, starting that uh... – preseason, well, you know, not call it preseason, but, you know, camp and everything before the season started. Did you have a good feel of what the team was going to be like and that you could kind of look down the road and think, yeah, we're going to we're going to be in some kind of bowl game or something? Or is that just too early in the beginning? Well, let's just say that there's a lot of I mean, it, it was it, it, it makes you there's a little bit of fear there. Guys are really big. And uh, <laughs> and you got school. I had school ahead of me, too, which I was somewhat fearful of. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had some really good talent on our freshman team. And, uh, of course the 73, um, sugar ball was my junior year. And, uh, we had some just great leaders as seniors, uh, for us juniors, uh, in that game. And, uh, no, it was, um, era worked us really hard, but he was so fair and, uh, he was a great communicator. He had great football intelligence and he commanded loyalty only because of who he was. And, um, 
you know what? We knew that uh, we had good talent. I knew we had good talent going as a freshman, and uh, especially after uh, our sophomore year and then going into junior year, yeah, we had uh, we had some really good players, really great players. We've heard a lot of stories, great stories of Era, and, and uh, used to be a guest on the show before his passing. I always want to ask the players and stuff. So, did you ever hear the voice of God coming down from this coaching tower? Did you get called out? <laughs> All the time. Who are you talking All about now, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking yeah. about Steve first. We'll start with Steve, and it sounds like you got a story about that too, Coach, with Steve. But anyway. Oh, they all get called. Everybody gets called out. There you go. <laughs> yeah. well, let's, just say, let's just say when he did call you out, you listened, and you did what he said. <laughs> that's right. Take yeah. it with that. That's right. But it was, always a good teaching, it was always a good teaching moment. Let me, yeah. let me tell you something. He used to be up in this tower. But, you know, it was really such a high-class tower. It was, a, it was on the bed of a truck. It was... Uh, they had the, the truck didn't run. You had to push the truck out the middle of the field. So he could use it to watch both sides of the practice. One side was going to be defense. The other side was going to be offense. He was watching both sides almost simultaneously. How he could do that, we didn't know if his head swiveled on his shoulders or what. But anyway, he, he always seemed to call out to what was happening and knew exactly when it was an error. So which members of the squad had to push that bu- push that truck out there? Which members no, all the managers did. No, the, man, the managers did. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that was so funny. That was such a funny thing. A high class Notre Dame place, right? They're pushing out the, the bed <laughs> of the truck so we can watch practice. <laughs> this is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on 961 WSBT. We're talking with Coach Mike Stock and offensive lineman Steve Sylvester. All right, so let's let's move to uh, the, the game, the game, the game of the century. And I remember, you know, watching it with Howard Cosell, and then they're all in their tux and everything and stuff. But let's give both your guys. Uh, well, that was, was on New Year's the... Eve now. Don't, don't forget that was New Year's Eve we were playing that game. I know, I know. And what that, and that was year? a year That was a year from the day that we lost to Nebraska by a, a phenomenal score, a lopsided score. Yeah, 40 to and 6. And we, we did not forget that game. So what was the, Steve, the, the talk with Coach pregame? I know, guys, sometimes it's hard to remember things that back. And if you don't, I totally understand. It's not really a fair question. But do you remember – the pregame talk and uh, from coach, you know, Steve. Tim, I don't, I don't remember specific, but man, I'll tell you when he spoke, we listened and uh, we were motivated by him and uh, he was an incredible motivator. And that day there was so much energy for that day, New Year's Eve, as, as coach stock says, and uh, there was 85,000 people in the stands. We're playing against Alabama and uh, it was raining that night. Uh, we were in old yep. Tulane stadium when they pound their feet. It, uh, it was like, uh, it was like noise was as loud as you could ever imagine. And, uh, exactly. everything was on the, everything was on the line. I mean, two undefeated teams and it was exciting to be a part of that. What a privilege it was to be a part of it. And you had two iconic coaches too, Bear Bryant and Era together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, of course, you know, the two times and coach stock, the same thing. Um, we were involved with two games with Alabama and Bear Bryant and uh, Era came on top in both of them. Right. Vince? The unusual thing about that game, if I may say something, that because of the rain and the synthetic and synthetic surface on that artificial field, uh, artificial covered field, they, the, the, the surface was very slick. Only You could only wear a certain kind of shoe in that, on that surface. And they were a shoe that was made in Canada. It had uh, large uh, nipple endings on the bottoms of the shoe. It was a, it was a sneaker. And they had everybody on Alabama had from the uh, 
University of Tulane had those those shoes that they used for that Christmas because of that rain. They all had their shoes on. The Saints gave us their shoes to use in that game, but there were only a certain number of that you had available because of not their roster wasn't as big. So only only a certain number of guys on our team had access to those shoes. And the ones who had access were the ones who stayed on their feet longer. That's crazy. Guys, I wanted to ask you, uh, Steve, you had mentioned the 85,000 fans that were in the stands and how loud and raucous it was. I want to parlay that into what's going on this year and how the Rose Bowl is not being played at the Rose Bowl and there's going to be limited fans. How would that have been different for you guys if that was the case in 1973 for that big Alabama Notre Dame tilt? Yeah, really, really different. I mean, the fact that I know the players are going to play, you know, they're going to give it everything they got on both teams. But uh, when you don't have the energy of the fans in the stands, it's, it's not, it's not easy. And uh, the momentum changes with, with the crowd noise and uh, you get energized by the crowd noise and it's unfortunate. It's too bad the way this, this year's played out. Um, but, um, you know, it still is going to be a great game. Obviously it'd be a great TV game, but I'm really sorry for the players and, and the fans that can't attend, um, that they're not a part of it that way with all that energy. Because the energy back in 1973 was off the charts. Yeah, I, I certainly remember when you guys were backed up and I think Bear was licking his chops, thought he had you guys when they punted, you are coming out of the end zone. And then uh, I'm sure you were on the offensive line blocking for yeah. the famous play. Yeah, and... it, was, it was tackle trap. It was, it was a tackle trap pass left. And uh, Tommy Clements uh, faked and dropped back, and I, I was a right tackle. I had to pull out and kick out the the uh, end man on the line, and it just so happened there was some penetration inside, and I stopped and 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 and, uh, and uh, sealed inside, and uh, then Tommy made the pass to Robin Weber, and Casper was was um, covered. Weber, Robin Weber makes the catch, and we win the game. That was uh, that was a great play. That was a great play. Casper Casper never got off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> uh, he never Castro did. He got blocked down. Yeah, he got blocked down, didn't he? Castro was tackled yep. at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and when they called the play, uh, I'm in a box, and uh, somebody said, "Well, how, what do you think?" I said, "I don't know if he's going to get out, but I said, I said, the Weber, if Weber does what he's supposed to do, uh, he'll be fine." Which was they run, they played cover two. He's supposed to get off the line of scrimmage, go up the field, and, and angle away from the safety behind the corner. And that's exactly what he did, and that's why he was open to catch the ball. And for Tom threw a perfectly thrown pass. Gutsy call. Gutsy call, but the winning. Well, uh, it had maximum protection, no question. The only problem is Castle wasn't going to get out. And I don't know if Robin knew that until he saw the ball coming. But I know that he knew he was going to be able to catch that pass. I knew that. Yeah, we've had Robin on before, and, I, and if I remember remember right, yeah, he, he I don't think he knew that Casper got blocked at the line of scrimmage. So no, he, he just ran when he was. That. Yeah, he was just yeah. running. He said, "All of a sudden, this ball's coming over my shoulder," you know, and <laughs> boom, right right in front of the bench too, right? Yeah, right in front of the guy right with the hound tooth cap. Yep, yep. the hound tooth cap. Yep, He's right in uh, front of him. Hey, we got a, a couple minutes left in in our great segment of talking with you guys. You've been really good. So, uh, uh, Steve Sylvester. Comment on the, the Notre Dame uh, line that you can relate to this year. You know, and I'm sorry to say I haven't watched them a whole heck of a lot to, to, to be, you know, to, to be into that too much. But I know they got a really tough left guard. I, I don't Number 69, he really looks like he can play. But it, it really, I think the offensive line is as much of a key in this game as anything. Um, 
you got to play. You're going to have to play a perfect game against Alabama. They've got such unbelievable talent, right. and they have better talent than us. But we've got to. Notre Dame's got to be able to control the football on the ground, which will allow them to open up the passing game. But you got to control the clock, and you got it on the ground, and that'll open the passing game. We got to keep the ball away from them. And uh, if we do that, if our line plays a really good game, we get off the ball, knock them off the ball. And uh, run like hell. We'll be we'll be okay. It'll be a good game, and uh, look forward to seeing it. Thank you for uh, staying with the half full glass optimism, Coach. Well, Sock, spoke, what you, <laughs> what, Vince? Spoken like a true offensive lineman too. That's I love right. that. That was great, right. Coach Stock. Any comment on the on this uh, game tonight or the team this year? Well, I have a feeling about Notre Dame. I really have. I I really feel that these people can get the job done. I think Steve's exactly right. Ball control is going to be important because the, the more you can utilize the, the, the ball and maintain possession and use the clock, but, but move the ball and score points, not, not just field goals, score points. Right. I think that puts the onus on them. Now, the other thing is defensively, I think if you can control their run game, that'll take away their run action pass plays that they throw down the field so very well and effective about. They they have a good team. They've got an outstanding football team, and they've shown to be champions in the past, but so has Notre Dame. And uh, I'm looking forward to Notre Dame playing this game. I have a very strong feeling about the fact that they can get this done. If things if they can control the issues in the run game, like Steve said, I think that's going to be a big issue. Yeah, and sometimes from adversity, like when they played Clemson the last game, uh, comes right. success. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's, that's right. what happened. That's what happened to us, Mike, and in, in the Orange Bowl, we got beat forty yep. to six. Mm-hmm. And came back yep. and won the next year. Yeah, we I didn't like forget the, that. I like we did the way not both, forget that. I like the way both of you are thinking. Hey, this was fun for Vince and I. We really appreciate you guys taking time to uh, New Year's Day to talk with us uh, with us on this. And uh, maybe next year we can uh, get together again and talk. But thanks again. Thank you, Tim and Vince, very much. Thank Happy you, New Year. Vince and Tim, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks, thank guys. you. That's Coach Mike Stock and offensive lineman uh, Steve Sylvester. Stay with us. We're back after a short break with Mark Edwards, Alan Rossum, and Corey Miner on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Uh, game day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-through, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana reminds us that we can all play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, escape the everyday. By Genesis Products, Inc., CDLA Drivers Wanted. Email your name and phone number to driverswanted at genesisproductsinc.com. Genesis Products pays you what you're worth, $23 $26 an hour for CDLA drivers. And by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors, Tim. 
Thanks, Vince. Semi-final uh, playoff game, Fighting Irish against the Rolling Tide of Alabama, right here at 4 o'clock on WSBT, so you don't have to go anywhere. So next uh, set of guests, and the third guest might join us here shortly. We'll wait to get him on here, but we have uh, former running back for the Fighting Irish, Mark Edwards, and oh, come on, give me, give, give me, give it to me right. Uh, I was going to get into. I was going to get into that. <laughs> Too bad you weren't just on because we had Coach Mike Stock from the '70s, and he. I noticed he played at Northwestern as a fullback, and I brought that up. So you're right. You've told me that before, and I should have. I should have corrected that. <laughs> Um, and then uh, kicking uh, return specialist and cornerback uh, Alan Rossum. First, guys, and good morning. Thank you for joining us. Everybody, uh, talk to Mark. You're healthy. Alan, everybody, get through this pandemic okay? Yes. I'm at home with four teenage daughters. So, oh, yeah. man. Oh, geez. Uh, the, that, that can't get better anytime soon. Are you in line for the <laughs> vaccination before everybody? <laughs> 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 So let's talk about how a, a, a Texas uh, kid, Alan, and a Ohio kid, Mark, ended up at Notre, Notre Dame. And we'll start with you, Mark. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, I was not a Notre Dame fan growing up at all. Um, you know, I, I remember watching them, uh, you know, it went on the 23-game win streak. I think I was in eighth and ninth grade. When that happened in 87 or 88 and 89, and I was actually rooting for the Hurricanes to beat Notre Dame uh, <laughs> when they finally ended that 23 24 game win streak uh, in 1989. But, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you know, I'm a pretty good football player in a high school, uh, and I'm starting to get recruited, and then I start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, Notre Dame's within four hours, four and a half hours of my home, so it's it's away, but it's still close enough to get home. I know I'm going to get an education. I know I'm going to get my degree. I know I'm going to get into one of the best alumni networks in the country. I'm going to be playing for a national title every single year. Every single game is on TV. Uh, I mean, you start putting all these pieces of the puzzle together, and that's even before you know the the, the position part. Uh, I knew at Notre Dame I was going to have an opportunity as an athletic bigger running back in high school to uh, I knew I was going to play fullback, but the fullback there still gets to run the ball. Still, you know, it's coming off, you know, Jerome Bettis was there at the time and, and Rodney Culver before him and Anthony Johnson before him. So I know, you know, it, it was a great uh, opportunity for me, but I started putting all those pieces of the puzzle together. And at that point it was a no brainer for me. And that's how I chose Notre Dame. Real quick before we ask uh, Alan that, did you ever, once you were on the Notre Dame team, ever tell him you were rooting for anybody, you were rooting for Miami against them? <laughs> I, I, I do tell the story. And what, what's interesting is uh, right after I signed with Notre Dame, I found a you know folder from school for my sophomore year that I had written Notre Dame sucks on it. And I <laughs> pulled that out of, out of my closet. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not a Notre Dame fan until – you know, my really my junior senior year of high school when I when I started putting those pieces of the puzzle together. And hey, Corey, how the heck are you, man? Good, good to join, man. We got Corey Miner just joined us. That was Mark Edwards talking there. Let's finish up with uh, now Alan for the the Texas kid ending up at uh, Notre <laughs> Notre Dame. And it's you know, right now we're having an ice storm right now. You know the weather up here in South Bend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm currently in Atlanta and it's raining like crazy. But uh, oh, okay. What up, K Mine? What's up, baby? You, you see, I see you just finished up the the um, your rendition of Santa Claus. Uh, see what the <laughs> yeah. Since our since our listeners don't see that, he's referring to Corey Miners having oh. a, a good beer there too. So, 
They have full beard. What's up, Mark? That's why I don't, I don't grow one anymore. <laughs> it's wisdom. It's all wisdom. Yeah. All right. So Alan Rossum coming to Cause, Notre cause that's what That's what mine would look like because uh, my wife, I usually grow one, but I just shaved it off for you guys. But, um, you know, uh, growing up in Texas, man, I probably got ridiculed like crazy leaving the state of Texas to go play football in a basketball state. So it was, uh, it was really crazy. Um, but I had this I had a group of friends, and one of them was Peyton Manning. We decided that we were going to all go to school together. So we take these visits together. Wow. And, um, you know, Penn State was great. There was one guy from Texas there, and I'm like, I'm not going there. Tennessee was awesome. Awesome visit. Unbelievable. Uh, but three of my friends uh, decided to commit the same weekend. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and it wasn't one of the guys who we all said we're going to go to school together. So then we come up to Notre Dame. It was the worst visit ever. And uh, it was right after the uh, they had beat um, Florida State. Mm. That was the original visit. But we all pushed it uh, to December. Yeah. And it was about an inch of snow on the ground. And Bobby Taylor tells me, yeah, man, this is about the most snow we ever get this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> and, a pure marketing uh, recruiting ploy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, a, he's a Texas kid as well. And he grew up with my brothers and sisters. So he kind of had little inroads. And uh, so the other visits, Michigan, they had a blizzard, so I canceled. Uh, in California, it was either USC or Stanford. They had an earthquake somewhere out in California. I'm just like, there's no way I'm going there. And, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, I had, I had other, you know, I wanted to take a visit to Hawaii, but they wanted me to commit first. So it was, it was just, I had different reasonings for, uh, but, you know, crazy enough, the reason I decided to come to Notre Dame was, um, uh, one, I could get the best of both worlds. Uh, I could get a great education. And then I could be on TV uh, every week. You know, my parents were older. And uh, to get them an opportunity to see me uh, every weekend uh, playing on TV. Then you, you play against the best in the country. You know, what I schedule, the way I've scheduled flex, still flexes right now, we could play anybody. And every year, USC was good. Every year, Ohio State was good. Michigan, Florida State. I mean, this this was a regular schedule for us when I was playing there, you know. Um, I think the only uh, – we had just finished the series with Penn State, and now we were into Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Florida State, USC, and Stanford. And then you throw in <laughs> Army and, and Navy who never give up. So mm. it was pretty It was pretty cool, man. And uh, I think one of the um, – Signature things was uh, Notre Dame came down, and I think they played Texas A&M, I think, in a Cotton Bowl, in the old Cotton Bowl at the Fair Park. Right. It was, of course, mm -hmm. it's like two degrees outside. And I go up to the bowl site, and I'm signing autographs like I'm playing. And uh, cause I just kind <laughs> of hopped in line. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. You get signed autographs in high school. And, um, you know, I think the craziest thing was when I finally arrived and I realized that Notre Dame was in South Bend uh, because – when you look on TV, you see all of these people across campus. You see the stadium filled, and then you realize there's only seven, seven or 8,000 kids there. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you got this lake effect snow thing that's going to happen in January. But it was cool, man. I never regret it. You know, I have daughter there now, another one at Stanford, so, and I got another one that's about to go to UCLA. So it's been, it's been good. Um, and then I got to play with guys like Mark and uh, K-Mine, so never a dull moment. Doesn't sound like it. This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on 96.1 WSBT. We're talking with some teammates from the 90s. Mark Edwards, that was Alan Rossum. Let's bring Corey Miner on. Corey, we're working across the country here. We asked right. a Ohio kid how he came to Notre Dame. Now we just had a, a Texas kid. How about a California sure. kid 
coming all that way out here to Notre Dame and that you didn't stay at a local college there. Sure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, for, for me, it was funny because uh, since, since I was six years old, I was a fan. I didn't know anything about it, but I would sit Indian style every Saturday morning. I have about six, seven bowls of Captain Crunch cereal, and I'd be glued to this TV. Like, <laughs> really would be. Uh, and the pageantry, the fight song, uh, you know, the Golden Dome, I, I was glued to it, right? And I remember saying, hey, mom, mom, one day, mom, I'm, I'm going to her name. She's like, yeah, we're okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and so you know, I, I, I'm watching every Saturday morning. I don't move. Right. I'm religiously watching it. And uh, I said, Mom, uh, Mom man, I'm going to Dame, Mom. It's going to happen. And she said, can we talk for a minute? I said, sure. She says, son, you're not even coordinated. Like, how are you going to do that? You know, I, I really wasn't. I, was, I really wasn't at all. She's right, too. And I said, I remember having this. We had this moment, right? This kind of, <clears throat> I'm going to say, small confrontation. I said, Mom, listen. I don't know what your dreams were when you were younger, but I know mine, and I'm going to find a way. And then her voice got real loud, Corey, come on, man, stop it. Let it go, you know? And, and so from age six, I got into high school, I had that dream, you know? I put posts all over my wall, uh, pendants up, hats up, and I saw it every single day, and I was, I was going to find a way, right? Single mom, multiple jobs, so it wasn't like you could afford it. Uh, but I was going to find a way. And um, I remember when I finally got into high school, okay, here's my time now. Here's my time. And I said, oh, here we go. You know, and I I stayed really focused in my academics. um, And I I worked, you know, on the football field, I worked, I worked. And when when we weren't in football, I was doing things after on my own time. On Saturdays and Sundays, I didn't go to any parties. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I was focused on making this thing happen, you know, Told all my friends, I'm going to Notre Dame. Come on, bro. You're not. That's not possible. <laughs> you know, you're, you're black, single mom. You're, you, you're not that good. I heard it all. Everything negative. I heard it, right. Everything negative. I heard it. And so, I just kept. I just kept staying focused on my mission. You know. And there was many days I cried myself to sleep because I said, "This is never going to happen." Right. I started having doubt. And then uh, I remember when I got my first letter from USC. It's okay. It wasn't the school I wanted, but maybe it's start. Right. Start. And so. Uh, then it started coming in, the accolades start coming in, and I remember Lou Holtz came to campus. And they were like, oh, was that Lou? I was like, yeah, They're like, is he for you? I was like, yeah, stupid, I told you. <laughs> you know, why didn't you believe me, you know? Uh, and so that night he came to my home that night, did a couple of magic tricks, and, uh, you know, so fast forward, get my letter in the mail, and then that same day, a letter, he, he called me and said, hey, we're going to offer you a full ride scholarship, we, we need you here. And so... Like Rossum said, that was my worst trip as well. It was awful. Um, first off, I didn't go in December when all the recruits come in. I had to go in January because we're still in the playoffs. Oh boy! So I said, okay, if I can go, in, if I can do it in January, I could be all right, right? Yeah. So Bob Camel did a great job. Here's what Bob Camel did: when I flew into South Bend, they parked, they parked the van next to the airport door. <laughs> I walked from the airport inside the van. I'm not outside yet. They're smart, right? <laughs> right, into, right into the van, right? They're not going to let you feel that cold, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> so then we drive to the uh, the, uh, the Jack in time. We have the big dinner. They park, the, they park it right to the door. And I walk right inside the Jacks. I don't, I don't feel any cold yet, right? I'm, I'm doing good, right? <laughs> and sure enough, after dinner, my host is Cliff Stroud. It's Cliff Stroud. I think it's uh, Sean Wooden. I think it was uh, Ronaldo Wynn. We get a flat tire. We're out in the cold changing a flat tire. I said, you got to be crap. Ain't no way. There's no way. It's freezing. Uh, but the fellas, man, the fellas made me feel so good. 
right? The camaraderie, uh, the connection, they answered every question I had, and they were honored. You know, just record. If you want to come somewhere where academic is first, you play ball second, and you find you you find your social. The social isn't normal. You gotta find your own social, right? I said, okay, all right, it makes sense to me. And so that's why for me, when I was the host, I was always honest with guys, right? I don't want you coming here and, and be mad at me for how you come here. Listen, if you're not about your academics, don't come here anymore. If you're not about playing high power football, don't come here. And if you're if you want to have a party like if you're in Florida or you're going to USC, UCLA, it ain't like that. You know, it is what it is. And so um for me, it was my first choice when I was six years old. And God is good, man. I, I can't rewrite that trip. It, it was perfect. That's Corey Miner. We're with Corey Miner, Alan Rossum, and Mark Edwards. So you guys are at Notre Dame now. So we're going to go around the horn here. We're gonna, it's like word association, I guess. Mark, if I say USC, what do you think about? Hatred. I like that. USC, Alan. Yeah, USC, hate, hate USC. Like respect Navy and, and some of these other rivalries. Hate USC. Yeah, I always hated that that song and that horse. You know, mm. it's like someone go out there and trip. Alan, yeah. USC uh, for you. Uh, <laughs> when any rival, it seemed like we had more rivals than anybody. <laughs> I think I named them all earlier. Every every week we played them, but um, I just like to make them quiet when I'm in their home stadium. There you go. You know, you make a big play and the crowd just goes like. I guess that's not one word, but I, I guess the one word is shut up. <laughs> in my words, one word, you don't have to limit it to that. But real quick, did you run any kickoffs back uh, in the Coliseum against them? Uh, not for kick? touchdowns, but okay. uh, I had some long returns there. All right. I'm sure that burned them and stuff. Corey, oh, yeah. what are you about? Corey, I'm going to change up on you. Service academies, Navy, Army, Air yeah. Force. Uh, thank God for what they do. They never quit. They yeah. don't. It's 75-0. They're still bringing it. You're like, come on, yes. bro. Like, I'm, I'm hurting already. 75-0. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you, and you realize and you, and, and you, and you appreciate the fact that there's our servicemen is what they do, right? They're, they're mental right. toughness, uh, they're focused, attention to detail. Um, you know, I, I know I'm a tough guy, but I never could do that. I, I have a good friend who's a Navy SEAL. Listen, bro, I don't know how you do it, man. <clears throat> I, I didn't do it. Um, so relentless, toughness, never give up for sure. Mark, who put the hardest hit on you? Uh, that, 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 that's a tough one uh, because I mean everybody hits hard at that that level. Everybody's big, fast, strong, and you know when you get to the pros, it's, it even gets more intense. Uh, I, I don't particularly remember one hit from Notre Dame. I do remember one hit from my time playing in the pros, and I don't even remember the guy's name. It was some no name backup linebacker for San Diego. You know, I, I called a little dump off pass over the middle, took a step to my right. He ear holed me and they didn't, I didn't knock me out, but that was as close as I ever been to being knocked out and uh, didn't get, uh, it, it was my only official concussion during my playing days. But wow. uh, you know, the, the uh, term concussion is a lot different now than it was uh, back then. So uh, some no name linebacker from, uh, from, from San from San Diego Chargers, they were the San Diego Chargers at the time. Wow, yeah, that was back when uh, yeah. oh John Hadel and all those different guys were quarterbacking mm -hmm. and stuff back then. Uh, Alan, as far as um, uh, is there a memorable? I think we talked about this before. I mean, you returned interceptions for touchdowns, punts for touchdowns, kickoffs for touchdowns. What's the which one is the best feeling? 
I think the most hilarious one was my first interception for a touchdown because Coach Holtz cursed me out on the way to the end zone. Um, <laughs> He's running down the sideline with you? <laughs> well, it was uh, we were in Seattle. We were playing Washington. They had the Hewitt brothers. They had, I mean, they, Corey Dillon. I mean, they were loaded. Rashawn Sheehy, yeah, they were loaded, man. And um, we were we we had come back, and I want to say Derek had caught a, a touchdown toward the end of the game. They, but they were driving yeah. to kick a field goal. Correct. And uh, in waiting seconds, they throw a ball to the flat, and I jump it. Mm-hmm. And but all I got to do is go down, and the game's over. It was one play, one point game, right? Yeah. <laughs> but being a sophomore, uh, you know, starting <laughs> with a whole bunch of seniors, with Sean Wooden and Brian McGee and all these guys. I decide that I'm going to run it back. And it wasn't like a straight shot, Tim. It was zigzag. Stop. Come back. Go the other way. You wanted as much airtime, camera time, as you're going down the field, right? So if you if you hear Coach Holtz tell the story, he's just like, get down, stupid. Get down. Go, stupid. Go. Like literally in the same breath. And he tells the story way better than I do. Uh, but that was awesome. But. Uh, probably the, uh, my other one is a, a kickoff return versus Boston College my senior year. And I had come out the game. We were we had pretty much had the game in hand. And uh, Ivory Covington, another corner, had gotten hurt. So I come back in the game, and I come back in to return a kick. If you look at me, my shirt is hanging out from under my shoulder pad. I just put my uniform back on. My, my <laughs> socks are down at my ankles. And, and so they decided to kick it short. To one of the upbacks, I run up and get it, and then I'm in this pile, and it looks like I'm down. And the next thing you know, it opens up, and um, it and then it's I, I tied the NCAA record with that one, so that was pretty memorable as well. There you go. That's uh, Alan Rossum worth Alan Rossum, Corey Miner, Mark Edwards uh, from the '90s teammates together on Notre Dame. Um, it sounds so but- old, Tim. The '90s, like <laughs> hey, hey. Later on, the next hour, we I got you like you like this in the next hour. And, Mark, since I had you in this segment, I couldn't put you in the next segment I'm going to talk about. The next hour, though, we have running backs from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000, all on the same time together. Alan Pinkett, Reggie Brooks, uh, Vegas Ferguson, and Robert Hughes. Oh, wow. Talk about some uh, uh, smack talks. going to go there. Each person, about a a minute, talk about this year's uh, Fighting Irish. Mark. Uh, You know, nobody really knew what to expect coming into this year. Uh, and you know, we, we we lost great players last year. Once again, uh, it was good to have our quarterback back, and uh, he's been quite the leader. I, I think he uh, we we've been more balanced this year overall than we have in past years, offensively, uh, specifically, you know, running the ball well and throwing the ball well. I mean, most most games we have 200 yards rushing, you know, 250 300 yards uh, passing. Uh, just very, very balanced offensively, which I like. And, you know, the defense has been tenacious. Uh, Just lots of pressure on the quarterback. Um, Very good against the run. So it's been a very good, well-balanced team. And and that's shown as the season has progressed. And, you know, the one time we kind of got out of sorts was that ACC championship game. We, we, We gave up the run. Defensively, you know, they ran for over 200 yards with their quarterback really killing us. Uh, that first game, that's why we beat them. We held ATN to 28 yards rushing. Uh, they threw the ball all over the place, but, uh, you know, it's about about balance for us. And then, you know, we're very, very, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Alabama's pretty balanced offensively as well. 
I think their defense is a little more suspect than ours, and I think that's where we're going to have to take that advantage today. Corey and Alan, we've only got about 30 seconds each. I'm sorry, because we're up against a hard break coming up here. So uh, All right, I'll go, I'll go quick. Well, I'm proud okay. of this team, um, and I'm catching a lot of flack down there in SEC country for being in the uh, playoffs, but it's all good. But I told them that we're not going to apologize for being 10-1 and one or 11-1 and one or whatever we are. Right. And, um, and whatever the outcome is the outcome. And every time that we are invited to the big dance, we're going to show up. Now, we may not win them. I think we're 0-6, but we're going to keep showing up so that one time that we win it, and then the snowball begins, and it's on and popping, and Notre Dame is back. So, all right, K-Man, sure. knock us out. There you go, I'll, just keep it, I'll keep it simple. Listen, we're, 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 you know, we're where we belong. Notre Dame should be at the top. We should be right there. And so uh, we're, we're, the, we're the best and most prestigious program in, in the country. It is what it is. So uh, we should be there, and I wish you guys best of luck today. That's Corey Miner and Alan Ross and Mark Edwards. We thank you all three for taking time out on this busy day. Good Thank luck. You. If I remember, Alan, tell me before, you're not a very good w watcher of the game. You kind of go, you know, get real yeah, animated. I get, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm using a room by myself. There you, go. Yeah, there you go. Hey, My thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, and go on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, we'll be back. Right, 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 Welcome back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Game Day is brought to you by the Legacy Heating and Air uh, Game Day show. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Irish Realty, Steve Smith team. When buying or selling a home to building or remodeling, go Irish, Irish Realty. By Lechleitner Door, they open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka, MontereyMexican.com. By Southland Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl Insurance. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Let me be more clear there. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim at 232-9981. By Budweiser. Budweiser locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim. Thanks, Vince. For those locally around the South Bend area, please be careful out on the, on the roads. I hear they're getting a little treacherous with that uh, ice storm. And uh, I'm glad we're not uh, having to deal with that. We're cozy in our two separate locations. So um, got about a minute here before we close this hour. So man, these hours go so fast. Yeah, no kidding. We have good guests though. So any, any particular one of those guys that had an interesting um, story that uh, struck home to you more? Well, I love the story. Him? I did love the story from Corey Miner about how he wanted to go to Notre Dame from the age of six on living out in California. And uh, you know, it, it's amazing what can happen when you, you put your mind to something and that's your, you, you put the blinders on, that's your goal. That's what you want to do. Now, not everybody is going to be, have the, the physical gifts of a Corey minor and be able to be the linebacker and the all time leading, uh, you know, sack guy and tackles for loss and everything else at the university of Notre Dame. But at the same time, if you have a dream, you know, figure out how to get it done and, and put your blinders on and do it. And that he's the prime example of, of making that happen. And then on the other hand, you got Mark Edwards who didn't even, like Notre Dame until almost <laughs> the almost 11th hour and ended up with what a stellar career he had. But, all three of those had 
pro pro careers. Yes. You know, too. And that, and I was telling you in the break, the nineties is where I really started to follow Notre Dame. And, and those three guys were, were three of my favorite guys to watch uh, when I was growing up. Cause that would have been my middle school, high school days. So good stuff. We'll be right back after another short break with a roundtable discussion with four former fighting Irish running backs from the last 40 plus years, Reggie Brooks, Alan Pinkett, Robert Hughes, and Vegas Ferguson. Plus we'll have in the show with a interview with the rocket, Ragib Ismail on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. Our Notre Dame football Saturday continues with game day. Brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Now your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Welcome back to the second hour of game day. The first hour went so fast, but we're so glad you're with us. Matt Embry is producing back in the WSBT studios. Vince and I are in our separate warm locations. My car is going to probably be coated with ice when I leave. We're less than four hours from kickoff right here on WSBT. Stay right here because immediately after game day at 1 will be the game day sports meet with Darren Pritchett and Sean Styers. That leads into the network pregame show and then kickoff just after 4 p.m. with Paul Burmeister, Ryan Harris, and Jack Nolan. And your coverage is not over. When the game ends, you're going to want to celebrate that victory by turning on the official Notre Dame postgame show with Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks for a review of the game, plus all the stats and the interviews from the coaches and winning players. And as we've been told in the audience for the last hour, uh, our next guest, Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown, hasn't been told this yet, but we're all full in. I'm a half full kind of guy. Everything's about how Notre Dame wins, not about how Notre Dame loses. There's enough naysayers out there. Not saying that could happen, but I like to prefer to be an optimist. Not, and my wife says that's not being a realist. But oh. <laughs> So, Brian Driscoll, first of all, how you doing? I am doing great, guys. Ready to kick off the new year with a uh, hopefully a great game. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. It was relaxing. Got some new stuff. Bought my wife a cool new present. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was so good. She, she likes throwing a football around, I guess, huh? And it was that's not what she'll be thrown around. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's start with the uh, Notre Dame offense against the Alabama defense. What does Notre Dame need to do to win today? You know, I, I think they have to use their utilize their matchups correctly. I, I think to your point, Vince and I for the last two weeks on, on our podcast, Irish Breakdown, have been talking about how this is not a game where Notre Dame has to play a perfect game and Alabama has to turn the ball over seven times to win. This is a much this is the closest in talent that Notre Dame has been to one of these opponents, you know, more close in talent than 2018 against Clemson and certainly 2012 against Bama. They have to utilize their matchup advantages. You have a look, Alabama's not great defending running backs and tight ends in the pass game. You have great tight ends and running backs in the pass game. Utilize them. You have, Alabama has big corners. You have an even bigger receiver in Javon McKinley. Utilize him. Um, you know, exploit some of the things that Alabama likes to do. Get them on their heels. If you can get Alabama on their heels early, which we've seen teams do, Georgia did that for a half. Uh, Florida certainly did that. Ole Miss did that. You can score on this Bama defense. This is not a vintage Bama defense, and and that's really what it comes down to. But the two players that I think are most responsible, for, two people that are most responsible for that, is Tommy Reese has to come up with a creative, aggressive game plan. And Ian Book has to come out early and fire away and not be afraid to make mistakes and just let it all hang out. If you do that, you've got a chance to score some points on this team, and that's what Notre Dame's going to need to do to win the game. All right. Brian Driscoll, tell us what the Notre Dame defense uh, needs to do to stop the high-powered Alabama offense. 
Well, first thing is they have to win at the line of scrimmage. Vince talked about this in our in our defensive podcast before the game. They have to control the line of scrimmage, and that yep. that's going to manifest itself twofold. Number one is you're sl- shutting down the run game, and, and Alabama's pass game gets all the talk. But if Alabama's balanced in this game and they run the ball, Notre Dame has no chance. If Notre right. Dame can make Alabama play one-dimensional and make them be more of a pass team, kind of like what Clemson did to Notre Dame in the ACC title game, take that run game away, then you can really get creative with your pressures, your looks. Uh, you know, you could show eight-man pressures and then, you know, on third down, and then Mac Jones thinks he's going to hit that slant route right behind your blitz, and then you drop eight, you know, and somebody jumps right into that slant throwing zone, and that's how you can force a mistake or two. And that's really what it boils down to. You can't do that if you can't control the line of scrimmage because if you have to blitz six, seven guys to get to Mac Jones, he will pick you apart. And their skill players are such that they will turn some of those quick slant routes into big plays. So your front four has to control the action. And Notre Dame has the front four to do that. It's just about whether or not they're going to play to their game. And if they do, I think they can cause enough disruption that Alabama doesn't go out and score 50. You know, you need to keep them in the 30s, and I think Notre Dame is capable of doing that. Okay, Vince and Brian both in about a, a little over a, a minute. Do intangibles and special teams, are they going to play a big part of the game today, the outcome? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> talk positive, if talk it, positive. If it, if it does, that, that falls into, I think, Alabama's favor. I think, I think if, if something's going to happen, then Notre Dame, again, this is going to be like the offense. They're going to ask it creative. You know, do something on punt return. Set up a wall. You know, maybe do something interesting on, on kick return to, to set up a score. Because, Nick, remember, Nick Saban did that in 2015 when Clemson was really taking it to Alabama in 2015. He used an onside kick to kind of spark Alabama, and that led mm-hmm. them to victory in that game. So if, if, if Notre Dame goes outside of their comfort zone and tries something, you know, that they haven't really done, then sure, it could be. But if, mm-hmm. if, it, if it does impact the game based on history and trends, it's going to be in Alabama's favor. Well, and the fact that Jalen Waddell is, is not playing in this game for Alabama is a huge win for Notre Dame. That, that kid is absolutely electric on in return game. So, hey, the most electric kid in the return game in this game, in my opinion, is Chris Tyree. So hopefully when he gets the ball in his hands on a kickoff return, he do something special. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, tell people how they can get these uh, podcasts, and they got time today to take that all in and get more details on how we're going to win today. Well, obviously, look for Irish Breakdown on whatever podcast host that you use. Obviously, look it up, Irish Breakdown, and you'll find this. But also, I, I tried to make it easy. So on the front page of irishbreakdown.com, you'll see Notre Dame versus Alabama podcast. And that's where I took all of our pre-Alabama podcasts and put them all into one place. So that's right. the easiest way to look for it on our site. Uh, but, of course, you know, sign up for our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform that you're using. We're on a lot now, and we're only expanding over these next couple of weeks. Sounds good. And we'll talk to you on January the 8th. Sounds 11th. good. All right. 11th? Yeah, the 11th. I'm, I'm off. I'm That's off. okay. Sorry. I'm always a day late and a dollar short. So, All right. Thanks, uh, Brian Driscoll. We're going to be back with uh, Vegas Ferguson, Reggie Brooks, Alan Pinkett, and Robert Hughes on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT and streaming at WSBTradio.com. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason cleanup and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka 
by Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-through, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana reminds us all that we can play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, escape the everyday. By Genesis Products, Inc., CDLA Drivers Wanted. Email your name and phone number to driverswanted at genesisproductinc.com. Genesis pays you what you're worth, $23 to $26 an hour for CDLA drivers. And by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors. Back to you, Tim. Tim, make sure you unmute yourself, sir. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use it. So you got me a different thing. So as I was saying so eloquently that you couldn't hear whatever, um, four o'clock kickoff right here on WSBT. Stay with the station all day long and into the night where uh, our next guest will also be uh, joining Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks on the official post-game show. But right now, this is something I've been wanting to do, and I'm really excited about this segment. So we're going to have four running backs representing four different decades. From the 70s, we have Vegas Ferguson. From the 80s, we have Alan Pinkett. From the 90s, we have Reggie Brooks. And from the 2000s, we have Robert Hughes. Good morning to all. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, good to see you. Good morning. Yeah, we're, this is the technology is challenging. To say the <laughs> well, I was, well, I was telling Robert as he got on, Vegas and Alan got on first, and they were already, I shouldn't say, Alan was smack talking a little bit. Vegas was being the senior guy there, and he was taking it okay, you know, stuff too. So we're going to start with, and a lot of these are going to be, so we're going to have a little roundtable thing here and get everybody's different opinion of an answer to a question, but. Vegas, we'll start with you. When did you know, and I'm not trying, it doesn't sound, maybe it sounds a little conceited, but when did you know you had the skill and the talents to be a really good, if not great, running back? Well, you, you know, you just, uh, especially, you know, when you go to Notre Dame, uh, they already had a lot of running backs there, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I was probably fourth string running back at that time, probably, at that, you know, and they had me playing defense as well. Um, until they finally, you know, uh, made me running back. Uh, but really, I mean, just playing, you know, just play the game. I mean, I think you just worked. I just worked hard. Um, just did do the things to be prepared to play. And I think that's what helped me. I, I, I didn't, you know, you never think you're going to be the star or anything. Uh, and, and that wasn't my role. That wasn't my goal. My goal was just to be a, a good teammate. And it just so worked out, uh, you know, that I had the opportunity to play a little bit more. Alan Pika, your perspective? Well, uh, I think my story's sort of similar to to Vegas, you know, uh, in that, um, shoot, Phil Carter and Greg Bell were ahead of me. And uh, I was like the, the four-string running back. But I had success in practice early. And, and, you know, having that success, I gained confidence. And then I, I was fortunate. I was fortunate in my first two years you know, that Greg Bell got injured. He went ahead and became a first-round draft pick anyway, so he probably saved his body. But you know. no no running back by committee for you, right, Alan? Well, and the ball ain't heavy. So they did give it to me a lot. Yeah. Reggie Brooks, how about you? You were playing some defense also. Yeah, and it was very, very similar. Again, I just wanted any opportunity to get on the field. Mm -hmm. I came in as a athlete, and you know, we had 
you know, ahead of me was Anthony Johnson, Braxton Banks, my brother Tony, Ricky Waters, uh, uh, gosh, also um, Rodney Culver. You know, it was just, you know, I wasn't even fourth string. I, I wasn't even on the sh- on any string. I was, you know, like, those play special teams and uh, we might get to you at some point in time. Uh, even Dorsey Levins, you know, was here. He came, we came in the same year. So, you know, we, we definitely had a backfield by committee and not to mention the quarterback, Tony Rice, was a runner as well. So, you know, it, I, I wasn't expecting to see a lot of opportunity early just because, again, just the depth of the running backs than when I was there and, you know, play defense, just have an opportunity to get on the field and play. And that was kind of my whole thing, just wherever I can play and just any opportunity to go out. So, and to be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about even my senior year going in. And actually, I was slotted as the starter, but it was still, you know, Jerome Bettis was there, and he, you know, the folks focal point was him, the lion's share of the carry. So my whole deal was any opportunity you get, make the most of it. And you know, fortunately enough for me, I was able to do that. So what you're saying when you first started out? You were so far off the depth chart, so that when you were into the game, Mike Collins as the announcer and Tony Roberts on the network, they, they were going, who is that guy? We can't find that, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think, again, that was even, that was even, I was even on the depth chart other than special teams, which they didn't have a special team depth chart. Vince calls games and stuff. That's nothing worse than nightmare when you don't, you don't even have the name of a kid that's out there playing, right, Vince? Oh, it's the worst nightmare ever, and it happens all the time when I call high school games. You, you get some kid out there at some random number, and you're like, um, that kid made a great play. We don't know who he is. <laughs> I, I'm sure I was on that. They, they got me a couple of times. <laughs> We're with Reggie Brooks, Alan Pinkett, Vegas Ferguson. Next question for Robert. I'm going to tune that a little differently, too. Now, Robert, do you remember your first scrimmage that you had to compete in? And what was that feeling like? Yeah, well, that, that was it was a great feeling. I mean, we had I had I had just got uh, Coach Charlie Weiss. He just came in, so he had the, the pro style offense, everything going on, and and you know my first real life game experience. This is this was Darius Walker had just left that, so he had left mm-hmm. the draft early his junior year. So mm-hmm. I was able right. to come in and get some early playing time. So the scrimmage, it was everything was we were trying something new because we had. Um, um, uh, Demetrius Jones at quarterback, so we were trying a little bit of the of the spread offense and everything like that. But we had get, we had got some good early early playing experience with me and Amanda Allen. You had Amanda Allen, you had James Aldridge that year as well. We had a, quite a few running backs. It just seems like running backs at Notre Dame. You know, we've had the great Rocky Blyer on and uh, Nick mm-hmm. Eddy and everything. I mean, it just goes on decade after decade. Paul Horning used to be on the show from the fifties years ago. Mm-hmm. It just has gone, gone, gone on, and then this a really storied history. Let's go to um, how about this? We'll start working backwards. We'll start with uh, Robert Hughes again. Um, who do you remember your hardest hit in college, and what team that was from? Or do, you yeah. just, or do you just generalize this this team is one that just hit? If you don't know an individual, just a team that you played against. I had a – from Boston College. I don't remember his name. I don't remember his player. The speech from Boston College, we were at Wildcat. <laughs> so I took the snap, faked the hand to Armando, and was running by guard um, uh, Chris Stewart. And, uh, he got blocked, you know, that hole in, and surprise. <laughs> it was a uh, safety coming out. <laughs> It wasn't even a linebacker. It was a safety. Yeah. He just in the right spot. And I'm like, hey, you know what? That's a pretty good hit. 
right there on the goal line. <laughs> Reggie Brooks. Well, for me, it was actually in practice. So we were, you know, we would, our scrimmages, our practices would, would get pretty physical and toward the end of the certain days of practice, you know, you had the harder days and we'd have inside run or goal line or something. So we, we, we were running, you know, team and um, the right guard made a mistake. And mm-hmm. Coach Oates was huge, huge fan of running plays back and repeating them. And this is ones versus ones at the time. So he got livid and like, get his ass out of here. He <laughs> and so we're thinking, you know, Coach Moore is going to put in the backup, you know, right guard. He's like, no, no, keep his ass out. We might as well not have anybody there to turn off. So we literally lined up and ran a play. This is live with no right guard. And Oliver Gibson just <laughs> lit me up. I mean, I was literally looking out of my ear hole. He hit me so hard. <laughs> I, again, that was one of those those things that you, you never forget. And I'm still pissed at OG to this day because of that. It's like, dude, you could have eased up a little bit. Free <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> run, smack. Wow. And I was, I, I'm, again, I, people would think it would be the, oh. you know, when I got knocked out. But when you get knocked out, it's, you don't really feel it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't measure that one. <laughs> Alan Pinka, the hardest individual hit or a team that hit the hardest? Well, I actually have uh, two I'd like to mention. The, the first one was, I remember, I guess it was my sophomore year. We're down in Miami, which I hate the Orange Bowl. One of the happiest days of my life is when they blew that thing up. But, uh, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Uh, yeah. But uh, I was I was on a swing pass and the ball was mm-hmm. sort of sailing and I'm I'm trying to reach to get it and somebody got me right in the chest and knocked the wind out of me. I don't know who it was, but it was somebody from University of Miami and that's the only time that I ever laid down on the field and he just knocked the wind out of me. But I thought I was dying at the time, but he just mm-hmm. knocked the wind out of me. But mm-hmm. the other one I wanted to mention, uh, just so I can make this point, <clears throat> you know, when I was there, we beat number one ranked Pitt. We beat number four ranked LSU. We beat USC three out of four times I was there. Mm-hmm. But we lost to Air Force four years in a row. Oh. And one – one of the hardest hits I got was this one linebacker. I didn't see him, and I don't know. I probably carried the ball 30 times that day, but I didn't see the linebacker, but he got me right in the ear hole. Mm-hmm. And that linebacker that linebacker had like 36 tackles that day. I know he was a oh, player of week, you know, of something. But uh, um, I saw him after the game, and, you know, he was <laughs> – Vegas Ferguson, a team that hit the hardest or an individual? Uh, 78, uh, we were playing USC out in Cal, out, you know, out in the, uh, California Rose, not in the Rose, in, in, in Coliseum. And, uh, we were making a comeback. We were behind, we were trying to make a comeback. Uh, I did a swing pass, like out similar to what Alan was talking about, you know, a swing pass, uh, or I was running down the sideline trying to clear out. And Joe, uh, Joe Montana threw me the ball. And, you know, we had to, every possession was crucial in this comeback. Uh, we ended up losing the game, by the way. But anyway, 
he threw it and I went to catch it. I caught it and Ronnie Lott lit me up. I didn't see him. And you know, on the sideline, I'm just looking for the ball. And he and he hit me so hard. I mean, I just, you know, right on the sideline. And instead of me, I mean, just separate my shoulder. Oh, and, geez. and I just <laughs> just I just rolled on off to the sideline. It's on our sideline. I'm done. My shoulder was hanging off. I said, well, I mean, that's oh, I'm California just to get hurt. And that's the one time that I actually got hurt. I'm like, I, I didn't never want to get hurt. And, and somebody had to carry me off the field. So in this instance, at least he hit me on the sideline where I could roll off. <laughs> oh, man. That was one of the hits. I never did get to talk to him about that. We played San Francisco a few times. I never did really get to talk to him about that. And I always wanted to. It still but lingers I, in it still lingers in your oh mind. God. Oh yeah. I, mean, I brought that up. I just came back. I, that, that memory came back. My shoulder still hurting. It was a good hit. This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on WFPT. We're talking with some football with former Notre Dame running backs, Robert Hughes, Reggie Brooks, Alan Pinkett, Vegas Ferguson. Before I go on to another question, you can just answer yes or no of this and we'll go around. Randy Kenner on our very first show this year said the one thing he hates about watching TV is a running back getting caught from behind. He says he never that ever happened to him. Anybody? Get, Reggie, did you get caught from behind by anybody? I can honestly say I've never been caught from behind. Uh, so I, I've never had that happen to me, thank God, because it is definitely embarrassing. Robert Hughes. Yes, I got from my <laughs> You got some fast guys out there, man. You, coming. <laughs> you couldn't run over them, right? But they caught you. <laughs> it might get up, but I got them over. <laughs> Alan Pinkett, anybody from behind? I, yeah, I wouldn't say getting caught from behind uh they always had the the right angle so they always had the right pursuit angle so i can't remember getting caught from behind but a lot of people had the angle that prevented me from getting in the end zone on a few occasions vegas no. besides rolling I, off the field anybody catch you from not, behind <laughs> I, well i'm like alan it's always an angle uh-oh. See, there's our Notre Dame education for Vegas. Geometry. Angles, <laughs> angles, angles. I'm going to run on out of bounds. All right. So we got about a, a, a 45 seconds or a minute for each of you to talk about this year's fighting Irish. Uh, Robert? I like our chances. Uh, we got to step up on defense. We got to shut down the run. I believe that's the, the, the key focus that we need to have this year. And we also need front the ball. So, you know, that's why for all of us to be on the on the now. Uh it's gonna come out to game today. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what you know, what Kelly has uh in store for us today and, and what they try to do against us. All funds will be a vital part of today's game. Vegas Ferguson. They gotta be resilient. They gotta be able to, you know, uh take a hit in the mouth and keep coming back. Because they're gonna get hit in the mouth today, but they got to keep coming back. You got to get done all year. Alan Pinkett. You know, regardless of what happens today, really proud of this football team this year. 
you know, their energy, their effort, you know, it just, I wanted to walk around with my chest stuck out because of the way that they represented the school and represented themselves and, you know, need some of the old Notre Dame spirit to have a chance today, but uh, Alabama is pretty formidable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reggie Brooks. I just think we need for Ian Book to have a strong run, running game with him being a part of it. Something I would love to see, and I think each of us have seen it in, in, our, in our time, I would love to see both Kyron Williams and Chris Kyrie in the backfield at the same time. Because I think if you yes. had, a, yeah. had both those guys in there, because both of them are good receivers out of the backfield, but they're also good blockers. Mm-hmm. And you're, you'll have three legitimate running threats with the three of them in there versus – you know, just having one guy and you know, Ian not really being involved in the run game. I think he has to be integral in getting the run game going for us to have uh, an opportunity to, to upset the, the, the tie. It'd be nice to get uh, Braden Lindsay back so we could have a Will Fuller type receiver burning down the field too. So, but those that you guys all know about injuries, those are nagging, you know, nagging ones for him and stuff. Reggie, real quick, and I know we're going to talk to uh, Rocket about it too, but Holtz's Heroes, a pitch for Holtz's Heroes Foundation. Oh, it's actually uh, thank you, thank you for allowing me to, to pitch that again. Uh, Holtz's Heroes is an organization of former players that played under Coach Holtz that are rallying together as a, as a team. I mean, and all the guys here can attest to you know when you play, you know the, your four years at Notre Dame. There's a, there's a brotherhood that's developed, and you know this is about supporting each other, supporting those that have passed. We unfortunately had a number of guys from that era that passed away, you know, far too soon. And just being a, a representative and caring for the family members beyond uh, their time at Notre Dame, I've had the opportunity to reach out to several uh, family members of deceased players just to keep them a part of that Notre Dame family because it was such an integral part of our time is that those four years at Notre Dame and the relationship that you build. And, you know, the focus is education, um, you know, Character, leadership, and then the bread of food, bread, uh, bread of life food drive, which is right now in such a sore need across the country. We just, I just sent out a communication about uh, one they're doing in Dallas, uh, Notre Dame Club of Dallas, around the food drive for, um, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area, which has gotten hit pretty hard. I mean, there were lines, you know, hours at a time, you know, hour, multiple lines just, just to get food. I mean, and it's about supporting our community and being there for one another, but also being there for our extended family, which is the Notre Dame family. How can people get more information? Um, go go to um, www.hostessheroes.org, or you can definitely reach out to me at rbrooks at hostessheroes.org, and we'll definitely get you as much information as you need. But also just, just being out there and being a part of the community, and just we have a number of guys across the country that are available um, to speak and to share, you know, their, their experiences and the leadership, the leadership development. Um, we work closely with the Envision Centers to, to really go out into the inner city communities and, and be a support there. Thank you, Reggie, for being on here today. And Robert Hughes, Vegas Ferguson, Alan Pinkett. This was a, this was a lot of fun. And we sure appreciate talking to you guys. Have a prosperous, healthy uh, New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank hey, you. Reg- Happy New Year, everybody. Reggie, can you make sure since you're my contact, I have no information on Rocket. Make sure he's the next guest. I got I'm on it. All right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Sorry, <laughs> little business folks on there and stuff, too. Thanks, guys. Again. Yeah, All right. Take care.
Robert Ragib Rocket Ismail on Sports Radio 961 WSBT, your home for fighting Irish football. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 961 WSBT. Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Irish Realty, Steve Smith team. When buying or selling a home to building and remodeling, go Irish, Irish Realty. By Lechleitner Door, they open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican served fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim today at 232-9981. And by Budweiser. Budweiser, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim? Thank you, Vince. And I am muted properly this time or whatever. We're getting closer and closer. Today, big game later on today. And big for that game, big for the next guest. I guess we've always wanted to get, I guess never could get through his gatekeepers, I guess, over the years to try to get him on. But we're glad to have him join us. And he's actually out in Oklahoma, outside talking to us, which makes it even more special that he's willing to do this. And that would be the Rocket. Uh, Regib Ismail, good morning. Oh, this after, where's it at? You're out there, so still 1138 out well, there. Well, it's, it's, it's 1138, right? So it's still technically morning, so we're good. Well, we appreciate you uh, being on here and stuff. And we had Reggie on before, um, also talking. I know you're a big part of uh, Holtz Heroes Foundation. Since uh, Reggie just talked about that, we'll talk to you about that at the towards the end of this interview. But let's go right nope. right now. And our fans really just love, you know, how people started out. I know it's one of Vince's favorite questions, and I get to steal it or whatever. But what brought a New Jersey kid to Notre Dame? Whoa. Okay, <laughs> so... That is a great question, and I can definitely say the overarching theme is divine intervention. So that's the foundation and the motor behind all of it. Uh, the first time I was aware of football, I was five years old, and I remember we were at a Super Bowl party. I didn't know it was a Super Bowl party, but it turned out we were at a Super Bowl party. <laughs> <laughs> and I was planning on causing mischief with my sister who was watching the television in the midst of all of the just the adults having a good time around her. And she was looking at the screen and I just was going to sneak up behind her and maybe, I don't know, smack on the back of the neck or something like that. And. All of a sudden, I was mesmerized by what she was watching on the screen, and it turned out to be the Super Bowl, and I just started asking her questions, like, what, what is this? She said, this is football. I was like, okay, what is football? And she was like, okay, this team is playing this team. And she started explaining it to me. She started telling me uh, the team she was rooting for. And, like, I, inside of me, something knew that, I wanted to do this and that I was going to do it fast. And so from that moment on, started playing football every single chance I got, started watching it every single chance I got. And 
My father passed away when I was 10. We moved to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania to live with my grandmother because my mother is now working just from, you know, dawn to dawn, essentially. And my brothers and I, we're now, you know, we're at the age where we need supervision and my father's no longer around. My grandmother's 77 years old. We moved to Wilkesbury, and my first best friend in Wilkesbury was a guy by the name of Brian Dwyer, and his dad and his entire family, rabid Notre Dame fans, the legendary coach at the high school that I ended up going to, and the high school had 7th through 12th grade all in the same building, was a guy by the name of Michael Mickey Gorm, who actually uh, went to Notre Dame in the, in the late 60s. And I just remember the first night I was hanging. I was uh, My grandmother trusted the wires enough to let me sleep over. Brian and I are playing, I believe it was ColecoVision or something like that, in the, in the, in the basement, which was like uh, the, the pre-version of a man cave. And <laughs> we ended up falling asleep. And I just remember the next morning being starved awake by the sound of what would turn out to be an album of the Notre Dame marching band. Mr. DeWire, when I, when I came to, I looked around, he's sitting in his rocking chair smoking a pipe. And he says, uh, you hear that, Laddie Buck? That's the finest band in the land. Get over here and let me tell you about the fighting Irish. <laughs> and literally, um, Awaken to that, he puts in, I don't know if you guys, well, you guys are old enough to remember, uh, before VHS dominated the market, yeah. they had VHS and Beta. Beta, absolutely. Yeah. And the then, machines, <laughs> machines, machines were gigantic, right? Exactly. <laughs> and he had this, this uh, kind of medium-sized television on top of that machine mm -hmm. and put the Beta tape in, and it was Wake Up the Echoes. Wow. And I literally thought I was watching, like, Lord of the Rings or something, or like uh, the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Like, it felt like some fantastical, mysterious, uh, wonderful place. And I started watching Wake Up the Echoes, and he's explaining all this legendary stuff to me. And he's saying to me while I'm watching it, and remind, remind you, I'm in seventh grade, he's like, you're going to go there one day. And you're going to be this, and you're going to be that, and it's going to be an amazing thing. And and I was like, I, I there was nothing in me that was like, I don't want to go. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, I want to go there. I wanna, <laughs> man, I want to see what a, a real-life leprechaun in person, you know what I'm saying? Like that whole thing. I want to touch the golden dome one day, that whole scenario. So all of that, and then it just turned out that everything that I did when it came to football, when it came to school, when it came to community, like the entire community of Wilkesbury supported my brothers and I, my grandmother, and it was before, like 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 they say the, the rest is history. All right. This is Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on WSBT. We're talking with the Rocket. You ever get tired of being called that? Oh, I've been called Rocket since uh, eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade, man. I, it's like. <clears throat> That's just all I know. There's nothing tired about it. It's it's 
I'm good. Who, who, who started that? Family members, relatives, or your teammates, or the opposing team? So check this out. In in eighth grade, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania, when track season starts, typically it was like uh, maybe February. There was still snow on the ground. Oh, yeah. So we were in the gym at Myers High School, <laughs> right there on Cary Avenue, and the coach, his name was Boss Cross, um, he was trying to teach us how to come out of the blocks properly for the, the sprints. And so we were learning how to do our drive phase, and as a part of the technique, he measured, a, he put a dollar at a certain measurement from the track, and he told us if we come out of the blocks properly, we should be able in one fell swoop to come out, pick up the actual dollar, and continue on, and, and you'll have the right foundation to get out of the blocks in the race. Wow. So the upperclassmen, they were first, and then our slowly, you know, seventh and eighth graders had to follow suit. Nobody could do it right. I was the only one who was able to actually come out of the box properly and pick up the dollar. And if you picked up the dollar, you could keep it. So I did it. And so boss, <laughs> boss was, get, was getting discouraged, I imagine, because all of the upperclassmen and everybody who was supposed to be his, his uh, premier sprinters, Couldn't they weren't it. getting it. <laughs> Man, I did that thing. And I remember he was so excited. <laughs> he's, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because when he talked, he, he talked, it reminded me of the penguin from Batman. So <laughs> oh, he said, uh, he said, he said, <laughs> he said, I came out of my head. Hey, hey, kid, see that? Kid, come here, come here. What's your name? What's your name, kid? I said, Ragged. He said, huh. And he, and he turned me around to everybody. He said, just see that? He came out the blocks like a rocket. And he said, do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> so I get in the blocks. I did it again. And it was like, he just was praising me and saying, this is not, you know, do what this guy's doing. So I imagine all of the upperclassmen, that didn't sit too well with them. But the next day in school, I'm walking through the halls and all of the upperclassmen who saw me were mimicking a skit from Saturday Night Live at the time and uh, the, I forget the, the comedian's name but he would be in a copy room and people would come in and whatever their name was he was like Bob making copies Big no, Bob I remember that skit. Sure. Like, like, like it, everybody's there and he would do that so they would see me like there's the rocket, the rocket man, Rocketola, <laughs> rocket on the car. Like, <laughs> and before you knew it, I was being called rocket. Now, it didn't hurt that I was also one of the faster guys in the school at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was just like from that moment on to this, it grew. And I like, remember I said divine intervention? Yeah. It's like one of the things I know about names as, as a dad and now that I'm older, when you're calling somebody's name, every name has a meaning whether you realize it or not. You're calling them that and whatever that characteristic is, that's what you're making a declaration 
when you call them. So it's like when you talk about rockets, rockets are nothing but vehicles that have the capacity to take other vehicles that are purposed, whether it's uh, for good or evil, that are purposed to have a uh, mission accomplished in a, in a place that they can't get to on their own. So you attach them to a rocket and the rocket gets them there. And then mission is accomplished, the rocket falls away and then starts the whole process over. So, like, you know, you asked me earlier about whether rocket was something that I have, uh, you know, grown tired of over the years. No, not, not, not in the least bit. Proud, totally proud to be called rocket. <laughs> this is uh, the rocket. That's who he is. That's who we're talking to on WSBT's <laughs> game day show. So we got about uh, five minutes, whatever. But I want to ask you. In, in five the, minutes? What, does, what kind of show is this? Yeah, I we <laughs> Believe me, I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> You've probably been asked about both these things, but I'm going to ask because there's so many famous things that happened in your career. You're a consensus All-American in 1990, runner-up to the Heisman Trophy in 1990. Uh, Sports Illustrated named you in the 85-man roster for the all-20th century college football team. All great honors. But what I want to know after you ran that first kickoff bat against Michigan, did you think they were even going to kick it to you for the second time that they weren't going to try to kick it away or? You know what? I remember the first time that happened my freshman year. And matter of fact, we can even take it back. I remember the first time it happened in high school, run one kickback. Then the second one was at least intentionally kind of muffed or something, you know, that it was mm-hmm. just Something was going to happen where they were going to try to make it where we wouldn't do it. Well, Coach Holtz thought that it wouldn't happen just because freshman year against Rice, the second kickoff, they, they tried to squib it. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, be ready, alert for anything. And he always instructed us, hey, if the ball is squib, no matter what, get it to rocket. Like he, sometimes good coaches have like a feel when one of their players are hot, and hey, sure. man, they have the hot feed hand, them, feed get them. the ball to them, regardless yeah. of how the other team is trying not to get the ball to them. So I definitely didn't think uh, Michigan would make it easy, and mm-hmm. they didn't. I'm not, I'm not, man, much respect to Bo Schembechler and the mighty Wolverine, the block in, the big house, the whole thing, that formidable opponents. Um, but when we got that bad boy, to the high seven. <laughs> well, you broke, a, I don't know how many tackles. I just watched it again this morning. I, I couldn't I couldn't count how many tackles you broke and got away from. You know, until I Let me tell you something. That was a direct effect of the strength and conditioning coach, Coach Schmidt. Man, it was his summer program. That was the first time I ever lifted weights in my life. Sorry to say I didn't lift weights my freshman year, but, Mm -hmm. man, it was a direct result of the strength and conditioning program and the the work that we put in the summer. And Coach Holtz had just hired him uh, to to turn a program around from a a, a strength uh, and conditioning perspective. So it all worked perfectly. Hey, hey, Rocket, what, what did you like more, being a receiver or being a kick returner? Well, since I wasn't any good at being a receiver in college, and I don't know, if you, I don't know if you remember this, man, but we were in three-point stances. Uh, I think uh, freshman year, maybe some of not the catching part, <laughs> or route running. There was nothing intricate, man. Do you know freshman year in the in the national championship game, the play that Tony Rice threw a touchdown to me on? 
the name of the name of the play was 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 like uh was like strong right rocket in at fifteen. That was the name of the play. Nothing else intricate about it. Nobody else knew what to do. All I was blocking and just throwing the pass to me. Um, but uh, the return game, like, it felt special. And it was, I felt like I had a grace for being able to. Matter of fact, I remember the first time we went live. Check this out. This is how, how divine intervention is so amazing. The first time we went to the stadium, freshman year, we're in the doggone stadium, and it feels like hollow ground. It felt so legendary. It felt like, man, we were stepping back in history, and it was a special team session. And so they was like, okay, kick off the turn. And I'm telling you, and I am not lying. I am not embellishing in any way. I thought Coach said that it was not live, <laughs> but in fact, he said it was live. I just, I thought I heard not, and it made me relax because right. we were not the first team return. We were like the practice guys, and they were like the first team kickoff team. So I'm back there, and I get the ball, and when they said it wasn't, well, I thought I, they said it wasn't live, got the ball, and it was almost like I wasn't even running full speed. It was just kind of like making sure we were doing whatever, the, whatever it said on the little paper that they held up for us. Took that thing to the house. Nobody touched me. And I was just <laughs> like, and everybody was so happy. They were like, oh, yeah. I was like, wait. Why are, we, why are we making such a big deal out of it? They weren't supposed to hear this anyway. And then they were like, no, dummy, that thing was live. How the heck did you make it through there? I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I, I found it. it in the tunnel. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, we've, we've, we've been talking all day long about how to be positive about going into the, uh, the game tonight. No neg negativity. So as much as we enjoyed this, what's the date, Vince? Next? The championship hey, 11th. Game? The 11th, the 11th of January. If you're willing to come back, because we only touched on things, we'll see if we can get you back if you have time for the championship game show. The 11th? Wait a minute. That'll be the name. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let's make it happen. Shucks. Wait, uh, what, what day is that? Uh, I think it's a Monday. Monday. We'll check in. Oh, it's going to be Monday night? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. We're on about four hours before the, before the uh, show, so or before the game. So I'll get with Reggie, hey, hey. and if you can, that's great, because – there's a lot more to talk about, but we yeah. got to get cut. We're up against a hard break right now at the top of the oh, hour. Oh, oh, oh. Bottom line, we got to get you back, back. On. Get no, you no, back no. on. That's the bottom yeah, line. Absolutely, because I know Vince has got more questions than I got. So many just, more. We love the stories and everything that have just built up over the years and stuff. So you stay healthy. Have a good time okay. down there. Happy New Year, and then I'll get with Reggie when we get when we win this game today. Hey, man, thank you, brother. Happy New Year. Go Irish! You got to go Irish. <laughs> oh, thank you, All right. <laughs> And yes! that is the rocket I hear on the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. And as we go to a wrap-up here, Vince, your final thoughts uh, in about a minute here. Well, I tell you what, you know, there's a path for Notre Dame to win this game. Uh, they, they, they can't abandon the run game. they got to be resilient on defense because Alabama's going to score. So they, they have to be able to bounce back. Uh, if they can keep Alabama in the 30s, 
this could be a ball game. The offense just has to show up. They have to use those tight ends. They got to use those running backs in the pass game. Uh, but I love what Vegas Ferguson said. Keep the energy because you're going to take a blow, but it's how you respond that might be the, the, the you know, how this game goes. So um, it's going to be, hopefully it's going to be a good game. Hopefully it's a fourth quarter game. And if it is a fourth quarter game, I love Notre Dame's chances because they've been in dogfights this year. Alabama hasn't. So they've got the experience. So as staying positive, we will see you at the national championship game, January 11th. Listen to WSBT the week prior to the game for the exact time for the national championship team. Thank you to Matt Embry back in the studio. And we hope you join us in another week. For Vince D'Addario, this is Tim Growl. We wish you the happiest of New Year, and thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 96.1, WSBT South Bend. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 